Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from the letter that He wrote to us. Hello and God bless you. Welcome into the study today. We're very glad to have you. We're going to be continuing on in the great book of Revelation chapter 10 today. I'm going to be picking it up in verse 1. Now, in our last study, we come through the trumps and got we ended on the sixth trump, which is the appearance of the Antichrist here on earth. And God taught us through this, through the trumps, that it's not going to be a time of of physical death and physical pain but it's going to be spiritual everything that we covered was a spiritual attack because satan comes in peacefully and prosperously he can't come in killing and slaying physically and anybody believe that he's christ but that death comes in on a spiritual level when those who are deceived begin believing that he is the Christ because they have not the seals of God in their head and they've not studied this word. We also saw three tiers of, uh, I guess you could say, minions or whatever. Uh, First, you had Satan that showed up and then that locust army. And they're going out and, and getting in everywhere they can get in and teaching false doctrines and teaching to follow Satan, sugarcoating everything. Matter of fact, it says in Ezekiel chapter 13, that uh, verse 18, that they sow pillows over the outreached hands of God. They're, they're sugarcoating it. They're putting fluff in between his outreached hand and our hand where we can't get that grasp. There's always a little bit of smoke and mirrors in between in their teaching. That's why you have to stick with the true doctrine, the true word of God. And then you had the four demons or the four bound angels that were loosed in the Euphrates, which means confusion. These bad angels were set loose in the world to confuse the whole world, that they don't know what's right from wrong. They don't understand the truth from the lie. Now, as we pick it up in chapter 10, we're going to get into the seventh trump and and working our way that way. So we ask for clarity and understanding from our Father in Jesus' name. Revelation chapter 10, verse 1. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. Now this rainbow is not the imitation. This is that Shekinah glory coming down. Verse 2. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. And he cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth. And when he cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. Verse 4, And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. Now, why would, why would he not write this down? 
You see, thunder happens as a consequence of lightning. If you're waiting for the thunder, then you've already missed the initial strike. You're just a step too late. So it's important to pay attention to the trumps and the seals and those strikes of lightning, if you will, versus what happens afterwards, which would be the thunder. Verse 5, And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that therein are and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things that therein are that there should be time no longer. What is this time no longer? Well, First Peter, excuse me, Second Peter chapter 3 on about verse 8 tells you that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. Time means nothing to God. So with this time being no longer, that means that 1 Corinthians 15, 52 has come to pass. And within the twinkling of an eye, we have been transformed into our spiritual bodies where time plays no role. Verse 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, it's not quite sounded, but it's about to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. Now what is this mystery of God? Let's move over to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to look at this mystery of God for just a minute. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he had purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Now, what is this first trusted in Christ? What is this whole thing talking about? If you move up to verse 4, it says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, what is this foundation? This cathabol. It means the overthrow. That means what this is talking about is when Satan rebelled in that first world age, that first eon, God had to put a stop to the rebellion. And those who were predestinated, those who first trusted in Christ, were those that stood up for God at that point. And when Satan rebelled, they didn't follow him and they didn't stay neutral. They stood up and fought against him during that rebellion. That's the elect, that's the remnant that have come down through the years with this truth and that are still here today trying to get the truth out to warn everybody it's going to happen again. He's coming back to deceive the world. Stand up. Learn the truth. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, verse 8, back in Revelations. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again, 
and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel, which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. Now, why would it make your belly bitter? But it's sweet in your mouth. You know, this word is always very sweet to read, and it's, it's, just, it's just awesome to see the truths that come out of this word. But then when you try to go to give it out, how many times you just ignored or scoffed at? It gets a little bitter. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 10. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 3 right quick. Let's read a little more about this scroll. You see, Ezekiel had a very similar experience. Ezekiel chapter 3, we're going to pick it up in verse 1. And verse 1 reads, Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest, eat this roll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat the roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as, as honey for sweetness. Now, what God's saying is, really ingest this word. Really, just get it throughout your whole body, your whole being. Understand this word and know the sweetness of this word. <clears throat> Verse 4, And he said unto me, Son of man, go get thee into the house of Israel and speak my words unto them. Speak this role. For thou art not sent to a people of strange speech and of hard language, but to the house of Israel. You're going to your own people here. Verse 6. Not too many people of a strange speech and of a hard language whose words thou canst not understand. Surely, had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. Hmm. So he could have sent him into a distant land and they would have listened to him. But his own people who are supposed to have the fear of God in them, who are supposed to revere God, and who are supposed to seek the Lord, they won't listen to him. Verse 7, But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. But watch this. Verse 8, Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces, and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. They want to be hard-headed? That's okay. You can be hard-headed too. Don't waver. Don't get soft when it comes to the Word of God. Verse 9. As an adamant harder than flint have I made thy forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. What does that mean? We're coming into this time of this tribulation when everybody's going to be worshiping the Antichrist. The whole world is going to be deceived. And it's our job to stand hard-headed. Don't worry about what anybody thinks. But stand firm on this word of God. All right, back in Revelation. Chapter 10, verse 11. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again, or you, you must teach, before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings, 
what is this? This is that time that they'll be delivered up. And you've got to, it's that hour of temptation where the Holy Spirit speaks through you. All right, chapter 11, verse 1. And it was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court, which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. All right. Anytime you see a prophecy in months or moons, that's lunar. That's a prophecy dealing with Satan. That's not of our people. We're children of light, the sun. But lunar always has to do with Satan. Verse 3. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. Now there we have days. Something interesting about this, just in passing, a month from new moon to new moon is typically 29 and a half days. Whereas he just called out right here for the two witnesses to be 1,260 days. Well, if you do 42 months, multiply that out, it comes up to about 1,240 days, which is a little shorter than what these two witnesses are here meaning possibly that the two witnesses will show up just before the Antichrist does to begin to prep those who they are sent for and to be able to fulfill their duty and to, I guess you could say, kind of make aware to the elect that, hey, we're here now, it's fixing it, it, that, that temptation that hour of tribulation is, is about to go down. All right, verse 4. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. The two olive trees and the two candlesticks. Now, we've heard about this before. Let's go to Zechariah chapter 4. We're going to be picking it up in verse 1 of chapter 4. Zechariah and the minor prophets... Old Testament, and it's going to be right before Malachi, second to last book of the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 1. And the angel talked with me, an angel that talked with me, came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof. Now what could that mean, symbolically? Well, what are lamps? They put out light. Therefore the lamps would equal the churches, because the churches are supposed to put out the light. And what do these pipes do? They feed the lamps. That would be God's Spirit feeding that light that should be shown and going out throughout the world. Verse 3, And two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side thereof. Well, there you have it. There's, there's these two olive trees. Could this be the two witnesses? 
Verse 4, So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. Now one thing about this name, Zerubbabel, it means coming out of Babel or coming out of confusion. Continuing on, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. That's the spirit bringing that light, that truth to the two witnesses. And those two witnesses are feeding that spirit out to the elect, preparing them for that hour of temptation, strengthening them, keeping them on in the truth. Verse 7. Who art thou, O great mountain? Or what about this great nation? Before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain. So before the elect, this great nation of this synagogue of Satan is going to be laid flat. Why? Because the elect? No, because the spirit of God and the testimony that comes about when they're delivered up and that Holy Spirit speaks through them. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. We see in Psalms chapter 118, verse 22, that the stone that the builders rejected had become the headstone, their cornerstone, that being Christ. Verse 8, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel had laid the foundation of this house. His hands also shall also finish it. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. This one that came from confusion, he laid this foundation of trust. He's in the world, okay? And the world is confused at this moment. But he has the truth. And that spirit is feeding him that truth. And he is laying this foundation. Verse 10. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel, or that, that, that plumb bob that keeps everything straight and square. With those seven, with these seven, this is the 7,000 elect, they are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. Then answered I and said, and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left side thereof? All right, now we're fixing to learn what these two olive trees are. And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches, which through the golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? So these two olive branches with these, that connected these trees, they're pouring this oil out of them to feed this light. Verse 13, And he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. And he said, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. It's those two witnesses, and that's their job, is to be here. Pouring that spirit straight from God, pouring that spirit out unto whomsoever would come out of confusion, come out of Babel, and not fall for the Antichrist, but stand strong and be hard-headed against that time. All right. 
back over in Revelation, and we're going to pick it up in verse 5, chapter 11, verse 5. And if any man will hurt them, this being the two witnesses, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, they must in this manner be killed. Now, Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 14 says that the word of the Lord in your mouth is fire, or fire issuing out of your mouth. And that all the naysayers are basically like fodder, just ready to, they're, they're going to be engulfed with it. Verse 5, and if any, oh, excuse me, we got that. Verse 6, these have the power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Now, that gives us a really good clue right there who the two witnesses are. They have the power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, tells you that Elijah had that power to shut up heaven. Also, in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, Elijah is taken in a whirlwind. He didn't die, but he's taken in a whirlwind. And then, as far as the waters... Exodus, here we go, I'll get it. Exodus chapter 7, verse 14 tells us that Moses, God gave Moses the power to turn the water to blood and then also all the plagues that follow. Now in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 5 and 6, it says that Moses died, but God buried him. It's unclean to come against a dead body, flesh body. And God is not unclean. So we also see in Jude, verse 9, just that one little chapter book right there, verse 9, that Satan was arguing with Michael over the body of Moses. He didn't know where he went. It's a very good possibility that instead of him dying, he was transfigured as Elijah was taken. All right, continuing on, verse 7. And when they shall have finished their testimony, whenever all this is done, whenever their time is fulfilled, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 tells us that it is meant that men should only die once. So the two witnesses are, would be those who were taken or transfigured, if you will. Verse 8, And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Naturally, that's Jerusalem. We know where Christ was crucified. That spiritually Sodom and Egypt means that they're just running rampant. They're all over idolatrous. They're just spiritually they're heathens. One little translation in this verse I do want you to pick up on is where it says in the street. This word street is plataia in the Greek, and it means a broad place or an arena, if you will. So not just a street, but they're out here in the wide open where everybody can see them. Verse 9. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half. And shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. They want to watch them. They want them to sit out there. 
You see, Satan knows this prophecy. And he wants them to sit out there and try to prove that these men were false prophets. They're dead now. If they were God's anointed, they wouldn't be dead. You know, this, he's going to be playing some kind of stuff like that. Verse 10. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. What kind of torment was it? They were telling the truth. They were telling them, hey, y'all being foolish over here. That is not the true Christ. And it was offending these people. Oh, they're getting so, their feelings were getting hurt. So now they're happy they're gone. Verse 11. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them. And they stood upon their feet and great fear fell upon them which saw them. I would imagine so. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand. And the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to God of heaven. One thing on this slain of men seven thousand. This is... The Rapha, okay, in the Hebrew, you can pick it, you, you can find them all over the place. Uh, one place in particular is Isaiah chapter 26, verse 19. And what these are, are the fallen angels. And they will be back again with Satan. They will be, just as Christ said, it will be just in the time of Noah, where there was given and taken in marriage and all this. Well, what, who, who was getting married in the time of Noah? The daughters of Adam were marrying the Nephilim, those fallen angels. And what this is right here is those that have been loosed again. This is one other spot where immediately those 7,000 that decided not to follow God, not to be born of woman, but to follow Satan, immediately at that point, they're dead. They're gone. They're blotted out. There's only one entity named by name who is destined to die, which is Satan. But then also you have these 7,000 right here that are done. <clears throat> Verse 14, the second woe is past and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. Now, what is that? That's at that three and a half days when, the, when everybody saw these two witnesses stand up and ascend into heaven. At that moment, that spiritual body has been put on. That seventh trump is right there because that second woe was passed at this point. And now, here comes the third woe, that seventh trump. Verse 15, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kings of this world are become the kingdoms, excuse me, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forevermore. He has come back. That's the end of the flesh. Now, we're starting to get into the millennium. At that seventh trump, that day of the Lord. Verse 16. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God. Saying, we give thanks to, O Lord, God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come. Because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and has reigned. And the nations were angry 
and thy wrath is come. And the time of the dead that they should be judged and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Well, now, what did this just say? You know, a lot of people get real shook up about Judgment Day. What did this just say? And the wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, this would be the spiritually dead, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants and thy prophets and to the saints and them that fear thy name, small and great. So not only is there judgment, but there's reward. You know, if, if you've done good, and you didn't waver from God. You didn't follow the Antichrist. You get rewarded. That's only just. Verse 19. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, or of his covenant, the ark of the covenant. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Now this great hail... Uh, kind of goes along with chapter 16, verse 21, where you've got hailstones that are close to 200 pounds that are coming down and just, just destroying the enemy. So, you know, it, it, at this time, there's a lot of people looking for the Ark of the Covenant, trying to figure out where it's at. What that just say in verse 19? The temple of God was opened in heaven, and there you see the ark of his covenant. It's a pretty good indication of where it's at. All right. We will pick it up in chapter 12 in the next study. Now, chapter 12, we're going to be covering. It, there's more in chapter 12 as far as time-wise. It covers all three world ages in that one chapter. It's a very interesting chapter. God bless you all. You have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas, 75691, or you can email us at questions at humansundergrace.com. Thank you, and God bless you.